Contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. And welcome to the Hammer and Grind podcast, the podcast built for contractors to help maximize profits and get you off the tools before burnout or bankruptcy happens. I'm your host, Brad Hebner. And I'm here to help you on your journey to self-mastery. Make sure you check us out on our social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Just search for Hammer and Grind Podcast and you'll be able to find me there. Consider joining my free Facebook group called the Contractor Profit Blueprint. I created this free group to give you as much information as possible to help you in your business. I go live in there once a week. Tons of content to help you in your business. Now, If you want to accelerate the success, consider joining my paid coaching group called The Profit Club. In there is a great community of contractors all willing to share information and help each other succeed, as well as hundreds of hours of training, coaching calls, everything you need to accelerate your business. If you want to learn more about that, you can find out more information on hammerandgrind.com forward slash The Profit Club. Or just send me a message and I'll be happy to share that with you. Now, let's get on to the show. All right, welcome back to the Hammer Grind Podcast. I got a special guest with me today. I'm actually really excited to have Mark on. Mark Levesque is the co-founder of WebRunner, a marketing company that helps contractors across North America acquire customers more profitability and predictably more profitably and predictably if i could read that would be much better he's a he's a firm that's why i'm a contractor mark i can't read very good he's a firm believer that nothing great gets built alone at webrunner mark oversees agency strategy manages business development efforts and is focused on building a winning team of savvy marketers who stop at nothing to get measurable results for their clients i really like that mark welcome to the show Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me. I'm super stoked to be here. Yeah, we've been planning this for a while. I know you're a busy man, and I appreciate you coming on here. Had lots of people in our Facebook group that were asking some questions about marketing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make the assumption that you're like the, the, uh, the guy at the party everybody wants to talk to, right? When you start <laughs> talking about marketing, it's like, oh, I got to talk to that guy. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Yeah, it depends on the crowd, I guess. But yeah, there's some people who are really committed to growing their businesses and they're like, hey, maybe I can get some hacks from this guy and, you know, figure out some shortcuts and, you know, get some results. And others, it's like, oh no, another marketer. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> so, yeah. And in case you're wondering, if you think Mark's got a little bit of a funny voice, he's uh, he's north of us, right? You're, you guys are located in Canada. Is that right? Yeah. I usually get called out that within seconds of the fall. So yeah, yeah, I'm in Natal, <laughs> Quebec. So that French, you, you hear some French in there for sure. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show again, Mark. I appreciate it. Tell us a little bit how how you got started. How did WebRunner come about? Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. I don't want to take up all our time here, but 15 or so years ago, and I date myself here, age myself. I used to work for a software company, and uh, that software company used to. A sell technology into large, you know, media groups, media companies to essentially aggregate data from all these different media buying platforms. Yellow Pages, for example, was a customer. And so they had thousands upon thousands of customers. And so when they're running campaigns, they would need technology to make reporting easier. So I was on the sell side of that technology. And through that journey, I got to see how digital agencies worked. And there's a lot that I liked about the business model and there's a lot that I disliked. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I got the itch to start my own agency and uh, we jumped into business, you know, myself and my co-founder. Our goal was to start a PPC agency and do things, you know, differently than they were being done at the time. And, uh, well, 10 years later, here we are. We've reinvented ourselves probably twice within that 10 year span. We've got a nice successful business owner and we work exclusively with home improvement contractors today's so armed service or proven however you want to call it but all sorts of contractors you know all sizes and we help them to scale their businesses as you said more predictably and more profitably so just taking the pain out of out of growth yeah we just started uh, started this company out of you know, just a desire and an interest to be a business owner 
Yeah, I uh, there's so much around the the agency side of it, right? As far as marketing, I mean, it, I being a coach, I'm I'm tied in with the the agency crowd, if you will. You know, we are we do have to market ourselves to the general public and usually on a large scale, which is a totally different game than local, right? When you're dealing with a contractor located in one city. Um, I have a question here with, you know, in the home improvement industry, which you've, how, how long have you been, how long have you had web runner, web runner? 10, 10, 10 years. Yep. 10 years. 10 years. Time. Okay. So five years in home improvement. Five years in home improvement. So with all that time in home improvement, can you pinpoint the areas where most contractors fall short when it comes to, to marketing their business? Yeah, there, there are many, Brad, as you, as you know, probably, um, and I'll say that, you know, there's people fall short at different levels based on where they're at, right? You could be a startup and just, you know, you, you set off into a direction and it's the wrong direction to begin with from an marketing perspective, that is, right? You could also be a three, four, five million dollar company and just be making all sorts of mistakes. So I think there's all had the ways to do things wrong. The question is, you know, where are you at and, you know, how can you avoid those, those mistakes? I'll say generally not having a focus is one of the biggest issues for most businesses. And it's, it's normal, right? Even ourselves 10 years ago, we thought we were going to do this one thing, cash flows, everything when you're small and you got to pay your bills, people to pay. So you have tendency to want to say yes to everything. And so naturally you don't want to limit yourself. You have tendency to want to go wide and that in the long run hurts you because you appeal, you know, to no one. You can't, create it, it is difficult to become known as a specialist you know for one thing if you just go really 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 broad so i mean that was us 10 years ago we offered every marketing service under the sub to any business to work with mom and pop shops large manufacturers distributors e-com brands eventually you ask yourself okay who's my customers all improvement space okay that that holds true right if you're you uh, in business providing services to people well it's difficult to compete with, you know, if, if somebody needs, let's go with a roof replacement, for for example, somebody needs roof as a homeowner, I'd probably deal with someone who only does that compared with somebody who does, you know, bathrooms, kitchen, oh, happen to do roofing too. I mean, so specialization, the focus I'd say is one area. Um, and then after that, it has a lot to do with just being kind of numbers, the metrics, having a plan that's mapped out, holding yourself accountable to that plan, sort of working backwards from your revenue goals. I think people are quick to jump into things, but don't properly engineer, you know, how they're going to get there. So there's just a lot of unpredictability once they get started. And it's tough to, you know, recorrect and get back on the course if you don't have time to begin with. I don't know if that's a little ambiguous or, or vague. Generally, I think it's a lot of planning and strategy that's lacking at all. One of the things that I we talk about in the Profit Club is is figuring out what your customer avatar is, right? Like it's so important because it's like to your point, and I, and I think pretty much every business, unless unless you've had like a mentor from the very beginning, you've you grew your parents were business owners. Like when we start, I think pretty much everybody's like wide net. I just need revenue, right? And so sometimes it may take two, three, five years to really figure out like who you want to work for, right? But how do you, what would be your suggestion for someone who's maybe newer, maybe they're two years in the business, maybe they want to start a business? Like what's the best way to kind of figure out like who you should be targeting in terms of marketing? Like what, you know, what niche or what demographic you want to go after? Like, do you have any tips on that at all? Here's different ways to go about that. You know, somebody two years in probably already has, you know, some understanding of where they would want to focus their time. You know, if we have conversations with, with a potential customers and having these, these type of talks and realize that, Hey, this company is offering too many services here. And they unfortunately just don't have the budget to market everything. So we do need to focus. And we say, well, you know, oftentimes people look to the marketers, what, what should I do? we're going to turn around and ask questions like, well, what do you have the capacity to deliver? Like, what is your team best at delivering? Do you prefer doing bathrooms or kitchens? Prefer doing roofing or siding? Like, what do you enjoy doing? What is your team great at installing? What do you have an easier time, you know, past couple of years? Fulfillment logistics has been a nightmare for, for a lot of businesses, right? So what do you have an easier time ordering, warehousing, pricing standpoint, lead times? Where do you have nice margins? 
right? Some people will say, hey, I love the one day jump to shower conversion business because I'm in it out in a day or two. Whereas others like, hey, I'm design built. I don't mind spending a couple of weeks on the job site and delivering something world-class and, you know, I charge a premium for it. But so I think the contractor has the answer to a lot of those questions. On the flip side, you could talk to a marketer and say, well, if we want to get specific, you can look at, you know, market, you know, trends, keyword research and say, well, in this market, where, what is there more demand? For? So, so that's pretty neat because you can look at your geography and say, well, should I do this service or this service? Use a search at the platform. We'll give you tools where you upload a list of all your keywords and they'll tell you more or less what kind of demand search fault. That's something marketers should be able to help, help you with. So ready? Search volume, what it could cost to advertise those turnips. But I'd say it's a combination of both. You've got to look at the hard data, the analytics. Also, internally, what do you have? What do you enjoy doing? What do you have the capacity to do? Where are, they, where are your marks? Where does it make sense? Yeah, and, and even just to kind of add on that, I mean, like, if you're the one-day shower guy and you're doing a, shove, a tub a day or shower a day, I mean, you're going to need 300-something jobs a year, right? So your lead flow is going to be way, way more demanding as far as how much you need versus a, a custom home builder that may do 10 or 12 homes a year. That's right. Right, Absolutely. like. Just, just that alone, the 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 the, uh, the metrics of that are going to be huge, and 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 you're absolutely right because you could have a you know you're you're a remodeler, you focus more on design build, really really custom projects. As you say, you could you know have a wildly successful business on your hands doing you know a dozen or two dozen jobs a year. You don't need you know that much lead flow because you're only looking to close a couple dozen jobs. So it's very different. You can rely heavily on word of mouth and referral if you're doing that, but. The tub to shower, you know, the one day bath guys, you talk to them and they see themselves as sales and marketing organizations and they have their numbers dialed in and they know, you know, this is what I need in terms of lead flow. This is what I got to spend to make that happen. This is the rate at which I'm going to set appointments, close, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So they've got that funnel pretty well about there. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. What correlations do you typically see between successful high revenue, high profit companies and their approach to marketing sales and operations? So, I mean, just sort of building on kind of the last question, I would say focus, but internally. So companies that are, are scaling, you know, as a business owner, it's normal when you're early on in your career that you wear multiple hats. At a certain point, you got to start taking some hats on, hats off and start delegating, right? Because that's where, you know, you'll really move the needle. You have people focused on one thing. So you get, you know, operations directors, you got people running sales and then, you know, becomes easier to grow a business. So I would say that is one big, big component. So having focus, again, correlation with, with success, I mean, is very difficult to improve when you don't measure. So again, being able to, to start sort of with the end in mind, so you start with your goal, you know, any successful business owner that we talk to, they know their numbers. So they know where they're at. They know what they're pacing for. You know, hey, this is the runway we're on. We're going to finish the year here. You know, all things considered. God willing, but you know, they, they have those numbers mapped out. So they know where they're going to need to spend money. They know what it's going to cost them with all of their different meat sources to acquire leads and customers. So they're just very analytical, very data driven and a lot less emotional. Right. Mm. And so what that does is, you know, when you need to make decisions, decisions can happen a lot faster because you have the data right there in front of you. It's black on white and you take emotions out of the equation. And what that affords you is the opportunity to be more selective in terms of the projects that, that you want to take on. And that's something that I think plagues a small business owner. They don't have that engine, drive leads and sales and deliver work efficiently. And so there's, there's a lot of waste and inefficiency. And so they're not all that profitable. Right? So they end up trying to compete on price because they want the job. They don't have the opportunity to they can choose the job they want because they're lacking lead. So it's like this downward spiral, right? So successful business owners have created momentum by, you know, just excelling at all these different components that are so, you know, you get lead flow dialed in, you close, you deliver, you get those closed deals to start generating referrals and then you get more word of mouth. Now you're seeing better ROI on your marketing. And I mean, that just compounds and compounds and compounds. And, and, and then last but not least, they're not the cheapest. You know, if you're trying to compete purely on price to win, it's a losing proposition. So those are some of the things that I, that I would see. 
It's rarely will you see a really successful business that says, oh, we are, we are the cheapest in the market. And that doesn't happen. And then they'll always have handle on their numbers and uh, they're able to correct the course if ever they veer off, if ever there's a you know, downturn in the economy or whatever. You, you saw it. Okay, so wait a minute, Mark. You're telling me that these successful companies, they don't rely 100% on referrals and they don't just wake up in the morning and react to the day, you know, if the phone calls come in and that's how they're successful. Is that what you're saying here? Exactly what I'm saying, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, my, my clients at the Profit Club, they uh, don't know I'm always hammering them on like tracking your leads. You got to track your leads. What's your closing rate? You know, what's your average cost per job? It's going to determine how many leads you need to get per year. Like, the, I, you know, it's, it's easy if you're a one-man show, like to kind of, yeah. uh, you know, react, if you will, to, the, to the, what's going on. But if you truly want to build a business that's going to be successful where you're not on the tools, you, you really can't not track this stuff. Like you, you have to know the analytics side of it. Yeah. It's, Would you agree it's with that? Of 100%. I think it is very important because as you get to the point where you can start delegating and offloading some of the tools, you're no longer not delegating the tool, but the task, you need to understand how things work. Because whether it's personnel in-house or you're outsourcing, you don't want anyone pulling, you know, fast ones on you. So you, you've got to understand it. I think it starts with you, you know, you start off by being able to do a little bit of everything. You get it, you grasp it. And after that, you start figuring out where, you know, you get the highest ROI on your taught. And so you start delegating the rest, but you know, you can call people's bluff and say, Hey, I've, I've done this before. I know what it is. This is, this is not good here. We've got a problem, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you touched on something I wanted to ask you next. So, you know, usually when we start out the smaller guys, most we pretty much do all the marketing ourselves, right? In house, like we're, we're, we may even build our own website. I mean, that's what I did. I built my own website initially, and you know, we're we're doing our Facebook posts organic, and then we're trying to do paid ads and all of this stuff. So, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know ultimately where we want to go, but like, what are your thoughts on hiring like in house marketing people or doing it yourself versus outsourcing it? Yeah, I, for me, that's an easy one, Brad. I, I, I truly believe that there's a lie that you can draw kind of right down the middle because there's certain things that I don't care what size you are, whether you've just started off and you're, you're new to business, you've been doing this for years and years and years. There's certain things you'll never be able to outsource effectively. You know, there's things that only you internally, the people that make up your organization, your, you know, your, your, your company DNA, you just can't outsource, i.e., you know, social media, organic content. If you're not, and again, some would argue and say, oh, yeah, you can batch content. You can have crews come and do that. And then you get your content for the year. Yes. Obviously, we can argue the point, you know, until the sun goes down. But largely, when you're a bit smaller and you are limited in terms of, you know, marketing, you know, dollars, budget, who have to uh, wear that marketing hat and do some things. And that's okay because it's, uh, you know, some of these things are hard to outsource, hard for another company that's not there day in, day out in your market helps ease the climate, the weather, meet first, understands all these different dynamics internally. Only you understand who and or your people. So to to convey and communicate that, put that message out there to, to the world, especially organically through social, no one can do that better than you, you know, in, in a genuine and authentic fashion. But I think that people should, you know, stop trying to look for that company that's going to knock it out. There are some great companies out there that can handle content on your behalf. But it's it's also challenging to outsource that, right? You know, and you hear the stories. You hear people, oh, I hired this company to do my blog posts, but my blog posts are so generic. They, they don't mean anything. No one reads them. You know, okay, they're geared for SEO, but they, they provide little to no values. It's like, so I think, yeah. yeah, things you do yourself. Stuff, you know, in advertising, for example. Yeah, you can spend money fast. So if you get in there and you get too aggressive, oh, yeah. I mean, you can, you can, you can burn money in no time. So I do think that there are certain things that should be, um, you know, it's okay. Learn it, try it, do it. But at a certain point, you do want to be able to hand that off to professionals who could kind of scale it beyond what you're able to do because professionals, well, Hey, that's all they do. They test in a 
at a different rate than you can do. You just don't have the time to devote to it. It's not your full-time job. It's something that you add into the mix. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Certain things you do yourself, certain things you outsource, anything to do with your brand, humanizing your company, you know, recruiting, that's got to come from, from with it. And the very, very technical stuff, you seek out, you know, expertise and professional help to, to ensure that you avoid costly mistakes. Well, I mean, ultimately that's what we're talking about is like you're, you're paying for the results, whether you're paying a professional company like yourself to do it, or you're paying through the experience of yourself wasting money on Facebook ads or Google pay-per-click ads or wasting your time, you know, spending 80 hours to build your own website. Like you may think, oh, I'm saving, you know, three, four, ten thousand $10,000 by building my own website. But yeah, but you spent 80 hours of your time building this thing. Like what could you have sold? How much money and revenue could you have sold over that course of 80 hours if you just hired someone else to do it? Right. I mean, like there's, there's a balance there of like where you're at with that stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. You've got to look at that opportunity cost and it is different for everyone and everyone's in a different cash flow situation. Yeah. They, these are the questions that people need to be asking. Absolutely. So I got a question for you. I'm going to, I'm going to put myself on the spot because I have this philosophy, if you will, about marketing. And this is just a blanket marketing, not specific, but my take on marketing is what I call bad, good, great. So in other words, bad marketing is better than no marketing at all. And then good marketing is better than bad. And then great's obviously better than all three. Do you believe that or is bad marketing? Is that not even an option? So in other words, if you don't have a website, it's better to have like a bad website, some template that you get off of Wix versus not having a website at all. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't think I can disagree with that philosophy. I think it's the whole, you know, done is better than perfect kind of mindset as well. It's like, mm, you're yeah, off because you don't have, you know, you don't have the budget, you're not able to get the right site that you want, or you can't hire, you know, the experts yet. I do think that something is better than absolutely. And, you know, sometimes people get to the point where they are doing something, but they are limited in budget. And so they've got to make concessions and they've got to pick and choose between what they can and can do. And again, I think there just comes down to being able to comprehend, you know, what's going to drive value for me in a short period of time, what's going to take a little bit longer, or then you can make educated decisions there. But, but yeah, something is better than nothing. Absolutely. Well, and, and the thing on that, I always, the caveat or the, the asterisk I always put on that is like, if you, if you do a templated website, that's really bad. That's okay if you're just getting started, but don't, don't still be there five years down the road, right? Don't still have that bad website. The second yeah. you can upgrade that, make that upgrade, right? Don't, don't leave it there. I think we're all a little victim of that. We've all got websites that are dated that have been neglected. And uh, yeah, I had that. So my construction company, I had it for 11 years and I had four different websites, three I built myself, one I had built by someone else. So that's just me though. I mean, I'm kind of a tech guy, a tech background, IT background. So I'm, I, I love the technology stuff of it, which is, can be a curse for someone like me because I, I will spend the 80 hours to learn how to build the website out of just the joy of it. But it's definitely not servicing myself or my business because it's not the high level task that I should be working on. It's like a yeah, double edged yeah. sword that I get sucked into. Yeah. For somebody who hasn't done a whole lot of marketing, like maybe there's contractors listening to this, they haven't really even started marketing. They've been relying on the referrals for the last two years, where it's just like, you know, you start a business and you throw a magnet on your door and your phone rings off the hook, like, which is what I would consider not normal <laughs> operating tempo. And I think we're going to have a reduction of, you know, some of that. And, um, it's going to hurt some people. So maybe they haven't even thought about marketing. Maybe they haven't even done anything. So, like, how do you suggest they approach the marketing in general if they've never even touched it before? Yeah, I mean, having the right expectation going into it is number one. You've been talking about websites a little bit and, you know, far too often we hear, especially when people are newer to the trades, a lot of people associate the website and, you know, the size of the website, how much you spend on it, how professional it looks. I mean, yeah, these things all do have an impact. But a website alone is not always going to make or break your business. So to your point, I think it's it's a good idea to just have something and it doesn't need to be perfect. 
have something. And uh, but yeah, just don't mistake in a website for success because a website's a storefront. No traffic, no leads, nothing's happening. So I think you got to get really, really, really analytical and paint yourself a picture of what success looks like. What are you trying to achieve and accomplish? And I know it's not all about money, but when you're in business, you don't, that's, you're not generating revenue, you're not profitable. You don't have much of a business. You won't be able to employ people and, and scale and take care of your family and all these other things. So uh, you need to get clear with respect to what you're trying to achieve. If you're just starting, okay, what's going to be your goal? What's that objective? You're looking at you know what you're selling, what the average size of your job is, how many jobs realistically can you deliver throughout you know the year, that sort of thing. And so you're working backwards. You start from the revenue goal, figure out three jobs you need to deliver to make that happen. Based on that number, you're going to need leads. Now, based on your ability to close, some people are phenomenal at sales and they've got great, you know, salesmanship and ability to handle leads when they come in, you know, follow up with prospects, close deals. Others are terrible at it. So, you know, close rate for one might be very different than another, but that's got to be factored into that equation too. So if I realize that, hey, I need to close 20 jobs this year, if I close at 20%, great, need five times that number of leads. So what do I need to do to get, you know, a hundred leads this year? And if I'm working year round, great. That's, you know, is that eight, eight with something leads a month? That's nothing. You know what I mean? So get really, really, really concrete with what you need to happen. I don't know, micro level. And then that's your, that's your focus. Hey, I got to drive eight leads this month. And then after that, you can even put a price to it because you know what your average job size is. You know what your margin, you know, baked in there is. So you know when you can afford to spend on those eight leads. So going back to that correlation question before, you know, all the successful companies, they know, hey, I could spend 8% of you know, cost over revenue to acquire a customer or 9%, 12%, or 3%, whatever the number is. But that's their threshold. That's their limit. Um, and so there you go. They'll put money into marketing, right? If, if, if they're at, you know, $2 million and their goal is to get to four, they're going to try to spend like their $4 million business, drive the lead flow that they need to close that volume of, of leads. You know? And the beauty about doing it this way is that once you've got those, those, those thresholds, now you've got something to benchmark. So as you start investing dollars into all these different marketing, you know, sources, avenues, options, if you're measuring them adequately, you'll be able to see what your cost is for each. So I know there's, you know, a lot of people doing the word of mouth and the referrals. And that personally is the holy grail. That's that's what you want. That's the end game. Get more referrals for word of mouth, but don't build your business around it. It's just predictable. So you want to almost force or create an engine that is going to be conducive to more referrals word of mouth. On the front end, um, you're putting money into something, right? Into social media and Proclaim SEO to your website, it, some is door knock, I mean, flyers, mailers, you name it. But all these things are geared to get your visibility, traffic, you you get leads. Then after that, you got to know what what to do with them, right? So we're off on a tangent here, Brad, but that's, that's just, it could make it you know, start with the end, work backwards, you get clear on your numbers. After that, you've got something to bring money to things that you can say, hey, you Looks like I'm acquiring leads and customers far less money source and animal. If there's room to spend more money, right? Maybe mailers, I'm just crushing it in my market. Hey, let me dump more money into mailers. Feel like can't anymore. Great. Where should I spend my money now? Well, let's go to my next second most affordable lead. Money there. When you get analytical like that and you're just very calculated, there's less guesswork. And I'd say that's one of the big problems. Yeah, I always say that one of the most important questions you should be asking your customers is, how did you find out about us? Like, that's single-handedly one of the most important things you should be asking. Because like you said, I mean, yeah, you may be spending, you know, $1,500 a month on on Google ads or, or whatever. And uh, you're spending, you know, $2,000 a month on Facebook ads. And they're both bringing in leads, right? But I mean, if Google is outperforming Facebook 10 to 1, why wouldn't you take that money and dump it all into Google? That's right. But if you're not yeah. tracking that, you have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that question that you brought up is great. And you have to dig a little bit there because sometimes people will say, you know, where did you, where'd you hear about us? They'll say, oh, I, I Googled you. Okay, well, why didn't you Google us? Or what'd you click on? I've had people tell me, I literally will ask customers what they actually clicked on. Where did you click? A little excessive. 
But nonetheless, it is a company that was, you know, hell bent on figuring out exactly, you know, where. And then so the homeowner would say, well, I saw a truck on the road and then I remembered the name and then I Googled the name and then I clicked on an ad. So you're like, oh, okay, cool. So there's some attribution there. We give some benefit to the truck rat. Yep. Spent money on that. And we know they Googled us. You oftentimes don't know homeowners sometimes can't make the distinction between a paid ad, a local service ad, the map pack, the organics. <laughs> you know? Right. But then it gets a little tricky. But anyhow, yeah, great question to ask. Yeah, that's that's important too to really to really drill down because a lot of times it's multiple sources, you know, where they where they found you from and trying to to figure that out can be important. One of the questions that came in on the Facebook group in regards to websites was compared to full page websites versus like a landing page. Like what's the pros and cons or what should people know about that? Okay. Yeah. So when it comes to, first of all, if you have no website, sometimes the quickest thing to do is to just get yourself a landing page, right? Because it's going to be more cost effective for you. You'll get that done a lot faster. You know, less content to kind of come up with imagery and all that kind of stuff. So a landing page is a home page that totally work for you for, you know, a short period. We do a lot of paid advertising at WebRunner, right? We spend a lot of dollars in Google and Facebook and all the, you know, paid media platforms. And when we're buying traffic, we will send traffic deliberately to landing pages. So if we deliberately send are paying money to acquire traffic, we want to make sure that that traffic has a high likelihood of converting. In other words, capturing, you know, the homeowner's info so that you can then, you know, follow up, set an appointment, that sort of thing. So we'll send somebody to a one pager that talks specifically about the service they were looking for. So if, for example, someone did a search on Google for a window replacement, you know, company, and they saw an ad for a window replacement company, naturally we'd want to bring them to a web page talks purely about window replacement and, positions you as the expert in the local market for window replacement. So a landing page eliminates the need for the homeowner to have to click through and figure out, you know, what's what, write the right page. The, you know, everything is presented to the customer so that they don't have to go out of their way to find the information, right? So that would be the benefit of the landing page. Now, people may find you at your landing page and not necessarily convert right away. So what happens is over time, people, they'll retain that name and they'll do a search for your brand. They'll find you afterwards and then make your way to make their way to your website. So there's all sorts of ways that people you know, can find you online. Um, whether you send people to the landing page or website, it's really got to come down to, you know, what is the source of that traffic? Typically, if you're paying for your traffic, paid media platforms, you want to send it to a landing page and focus the narrative, the conversation around what the intent was. If people are finding you organically, they'll find your website. Right. So that works. So would you suggest then like if if you had the resources to do kind of a website as well as landing pages for specific services that you want to target? Yeah, absolutely. So if you have the resources and, and typically a website will, you know, to some extent be comprised of landing pages. So think of your most, you know, fundamental, like basic website. You'll have a home page, you'll have an about page, you'll have a contact page, and then you have some service pages, potentially a blog. Service pages should, in essence, be a series of landing pages. So if you are a remodeler that provides you know, a variety of different services, you should have one page for each service. But on that page, here's the problem. Most websites where they fall short is the service page on the website doesn't usually have everything that it should have in order to convert that visitor into a lead, right? So they'll have some pictures, maybe a bit of text, but it's missing the call to action. It's missing an offer. It's missing you know, a form, a visible form. It doesn't talk about you know whether you offer financing or not. It won't have all the social proof in the form of customer testimonials and before and afters. And so there's a lot that you can put into a landing page that can increase the likelihood of somebody saying, "Hey, this company looks awesome. I need to talk to them." But far too often, page on a website wasn't initially designed with that purpose in mind. And it's it's oftentimes not the contractor's fault. Web development design company, they'll create, you know, a website made up of a couple of pages. And when they get to the services, okay, they'll create a template for that service. And then every other service, they reuse that template. And if that, you know, structure of that page isn't great, well now you're just multiplying the problem by however many services you offer. There's just oftentimes things missing. 
And last but not least, on that service page on your website, you have a navigation in the header. You have a navigation in the footer with tons of different links, things that sort of detract from the conversation. So you're now giving the homeowner options to click away, click through, and people get distracted sometimes. And you know, you don't want to give anyone the option, right? If they're looking for windows to come to the window page, now I'm giving you three options. You can call me, you can fill out a form so that I can get back in touch with you via email or phone or whatever, or maybe I can start a chat with you online. Those are the three, you know, most common conversion mechanisms that should be on a landing page. So consider that when you're tweaking your website. So I had a question the other day. We have a we do a weekly marketing call in the Profit Club, and one of my clients who actually was the one that told me about you guys, Duncan. I don't know if you know Duncan Farrell, Farrell Bill. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. He had asked. We were talking, and and uh, he was saying, you know, like a lot of especially with marketing, like marketing services, you have these sales funnels, right? And they're very long copy sales funnels where it's like what we do, testimonials, more stuff, call to action, more testimonials. And he was asking about why why we why that wouldn't work in the home services industry. In other words, would a long copy sales funnel work better than just like a, t- a typical landing page with maybe a few few things on there? I just wanted to get your your thoughts on that. Yeah, so that is going to come down to the frame of mind that the homeowner is in when they're on their path to purchase. For example, if I am planning a home remodel and I want to redo my kitchen and my bathroom and I happen to live in a very you know affluent neighborhood where homes are really expensive and this project is likely going to set me back potentially a couple hundred grand, right? I am likely not going to Google somebody, call the first person that I see and book them to come in and do the job. I'll probably educate myself a little bit. You know, what options are available to me? You know, who are reputable companies? What kind of work have they done in the past? What does, you know, entertaining a project like this even look like, right? Am I going to have people living in my house with me for six months <laughs> as we go through this project? Like, I don't know any of this. It's foreign to me. So what am I going to do? I'm going to educate myself. So in that scenario, yes, having long form sales copy, a lot of people say you know, nowadays, oh, people don't have time. People don't read. I think that's a load of bull. People do read and copy is very, very impactful. And from a marketing perspective, oftentimes the most neglected component. So yeah, there's, and again, it comes down to, to testing. You can't just, you know, Hey, this is going to work better. Well, we don't know. Maybe a short form page with just everything above, you know, the folds. So someone doesn't need to scroll times that would outperform other times, maybe a longer page. But if I contrast that whole remodel, that, you know, very expensive design build, long sales cycle, you know, long delivery process. If I contrast that with say, a restoration company, I have a fire or water damage. I'm Googling someone and I'm calling. I don't need any long form sales page. I'm not educating myself. I'm not trying to figure out how this stuff works. I just need somebody to come and dry out my base. You know, that makes sense. Down to intent, you know, and uh, yeah, it's, you know, is it likely that the homeowner is going to allocate, you know, that much time to understanding and figuring this out? Right. So it, it just depends. How committed is that homeowner to learning and figuring this stuff out? My my ultimate response to him was you'd have to test it. And it's yeah. it's <laughs> it's it's interesting because I mean you would agree I know you would agree with this. Like when you're running ads and doing any kind of marketing, like you just have to test it because you don't always you could hire the best copywriters, you could hire the best marketers. You really don't know how your market's gonna react until you try it. And you have to test it. And if you don't measure, you know, that what does that which doesn't get measured doesn't get fixed, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just something to add to that. I think people get caught up, you know, in the marketing world, it's, you hear a lot of, oh, test, test the layout, test the colors, test, you know, all these different things that in the grand scheme of things can result in some improvements, but largely what's going to have the biggest impact. It's, it's your, it's your copy, your message. Most importantly, above all, it's your offer. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a marketer's with that. Like, have you the business owner come up with a compelling offer that is going to set you apart from anyone else in your market. Something that's going to make the homeowner say, Oh, wow, this is insane. This is cool. No one's doing this. This is unique. Or this is like, what's going to get someone to stop and say, wow, this is like, this is it. So the offer is probably the most important component to test. It's not the color of the button, where the button is. Yes. 
you'll record, you know, session recording and heat mapping and check out all the technical stuff to see how you can bring some improvements to the page. Beyond that, what's your offer? That, that's so true. I mean, even as we speak, I'm still always refining my offer for, you know, my, my coaching services. The irresistible offer, like that, that, you know, that probably contributes to 90% of the conversion. And then the other 10% is where the button's located and where the, you know, the specific copy and all that stuff. So that's like getting way down into the micro, but you're completely missing the, the fundamental part, which is how good is your offer? And, and who controls that? It's not the marketer, right? Yeah. So you got to get creative, right? Look at your, study your, your competitors, understand their pricing. What are they doing? What's their value proposition? How do they communicate? How do they market? How do they deliver the service? And then anything that you can do that could set you apart or position your service as, you know, a notch above pre and exclusive something that's going to just get somebody to say, yeah, but with these guys, I get this. You know, that could have a huge, huge impact on what you derive from the same marketing budget is come up with a good offer. Yeah, that's one of the first things I have my guys do in in the coaching is do a competitive analysis, like go look at their reviews and read every one of their reviews and write down what they do well and write down what they don't do well, and then make sure you can deliver on those. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's a very simple task, but people overlook that and they don't realize because, you know, Mark, it's all about, I do quality work. I'm a quality yeah. work contractor and that's all that matters. That's customer service. It's customer experience. Platitudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that's what I, I did a TikTok one time. I don't know if you watched toy stories with Buzz Lightyear and stuff. And he, when yeah. he goes to the toy store and sees the whole shelf full of Buzz Lightyear's, I'm like, I did a TikTok about contractors. Like what sets us apart? Our quality speaks for itself. And then I had like, a thousand Buzz Lightyear saying our quality speaks for itself. And I'm like, that's yeah, not an yeah. irresistible offer. Right. You're not, you're not, you're not attracting people because you say our quality speaks for itself. But I like your point though, about basing it on data. If you can identify pain points with the common, you know, and sometimes that has to do with, I don't know, remodeling people spend in a home or the cleanliness after the job or all these little things. Maybe it's, you're coming out with some kind of a guarantee. Or something that, you know, so it, it, it's, it's positioning and, and that's what marketing is at, at its core. It's messaging, it's positioning, it's, you can, you can have one offer, but position it 10 different ways is perceived different. It looks like 10 different offers, but you're doing the same service at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. I'll give you guys a tip that are listening. If you're a remodeler, if you really want to add value, hire a, a professional cleaner to come in at the end of the job and clean the customer's house for them. Like that little thing right there. I mean, you don't. Of course, you're adding that cost into your price, but you're not charging the customer. I mean, they're not, hey, for a hundred bucks more, I'll have someone come. No, you're just doing that as an as an add-on service. That's just a little bonus. Yeah, and sometimes that add-on bonus is a surprise. And yeah. then that's how you get that review and that's how you get that referral. And it's little things like that compound substantially. Yeah, yeah that would be a strategic thing that I wouldn't advertise. You know, that's the add-on. And then they're going to yeah. tell all of their friends and family and neighbors about it. So... I got another question. I, I have to ask this. It's a little deep in the weeds on, on technical stuff, but he's going to kick my butt if I don't ask you. And he says, how, what's some strategies on lowering the cost per click in highly competitive keywords? And he's a flooring. Uh, the guy's asking as a flooring installer and, and refinisher. Yeah, right. So short of seeing the account or without much context, I mean, the name of the game in search is always relevancy, right? So you want to lower your cost per click, but, you know, to an extent, right? Because you should be willing to pay, you know, as much as you can afford for a keyword that's going to drive you a lead, which will turn into a sale. It's not about getting the cheapest, you know, keywords, right? Because you can identify keywords that won't cost you a lot, but they also won't get searched all that often. You're not going to get much volume from them and they won't result in, you know, increasing your lead flow substantially. So it's it's leveraging keyword tools to do the keyword research to identify what keywords could drive traffic at a reasonable cost. And of course, you have to know what your conversion rates are on the landing page side of things, right? Because fundamentally, you want to know what can I afford to spend on a visitor? Because I know that my landing page converts at 10%. So if, I, if my click cost is 10 bucks, great. Every 100 bucks I spend, I got a lead. It's that black and white, right? 
So now if I can optimize my, my, my campaigns and I can get a visitor for less than 10 bucks, which we is the, there's a lot of things that will factor in there and you're just winning. So it's, it's keyword selection at the end of the day, all it is. It's keyword selection. I, I would say that more importantly than click cost, the only metric we truly care about is customer acquisition cost, right? I'll spend 50 bucks on a keyword, right? You know, if, if, if I was to say, Brad, you know, which, which keyword do you want me to bid on the one at $25 or the one at $50? Actually, you'd say, well, $25, cause it's less, but what if the keyword at 50 bucks, every, you know, two clicks on that keyword, you're resulting in a lead. That's a hundred bucks, but the $25 keyword, you know, based on the intent, blah, blah, blah. You need eight of those clicks for your 200 bucks of leads. So you're double the cost, right? Same thing with, with leads. Same thing, you know, people come in and say, well, how much are, what's it going to cost me to drive leads? Well, you're asking the wrong question. It's not about the lead. I could sell you a lead for 500 bucks, but if, if that lead is going to close, you'll spend 500 bucks, right? So if you say, which lead do you want? 50 bucks or 500? All up to that should be, well, at what rate will those leads convert? So in terms of optimizing the campaigns for search and with Google Bing, it's all about relevancy. So it's making sure that your keyword is well-themed, well-grouped, tight ad groups that is going to trigger ads that are really relevant to what the query was. That's going to increase the click-through rate. So when that ad appears, the person searching for that keyword that you're bidding on, very relevant to that search, clicking on it at a high rate. We've got a better ad rank. The quality scores are better. Google is giving you preferential treatment. It's costing you less to advertise than somebody else because you're not wasting real estate on Google's front page. Google's in the business of making money, right? If they're showing your ad, no one's clicking on it. There's an issue and Google doesn't like that. They're saying, hey, this advertiser is telling us he wants to bid on these keywords. We're showing his ad and it's not getting clicked on at a rate that we're happy with. He's got a really low click-through rate. So we'll let you continue to advertise there, but we're going to charge you a premium. That's essentially how search works, right? So I hope that helps. And, you know, in terms of reducing costs further, I'd urge individuals to pose that question to just get an audit done. We do free audits all the time and we can figure out if there's ways to lower those costs. That, that was transitioned perfectly. I know we're running out of time. That, I want to say that it goes back to that pesky word of analytics, like being in, actually tracking the information and, and looking at it. So tell us a little bit about WebRunner, what what you guys do, what services you offer in case anyone's interested in looking to have this service done for them. Yeah, absolutely, Brad. Thank you for that. So yeah, first off, I mean, all this was valuable, helpful for the, for the listeners. I know you got a great show and a good group. So hopefully we're able to bring some value here. In terms of services, we just touched on an audit. That is, I think, number one. If anyone's spending money and they're unsure of, you know, whether or not what they've got is in good standing, if it's driving results, is there potential to scale or whatnot, just get a second opinion. And uh, we like to help, we like to put value out there. And so for us, it gives us a lot of context. So if somebody is looking for potentially a new vendor to work with from a marketing standpoint, we always want to know these things up front, right? So an audit is good for both sides. You know, we can look at an account and provide a lot of insight. And we're very transparent with that. So if things are great, we'll tell you. If things are terrible, we won't sugarcoat it. We'll tell you. So an audit would be a first place to start. And we can audit, you know, paid advertising accounts on the Google side, Bing side, Facebook side. We can audit landing pages. We are largely a paid media company. Last year at Q4, we launched SEO as a service. We don't offer websites. So we don't design and build websites. The extent of what we do from a design and development standpoint, our landing pages or our paid advertising campaign. The way the agency is growing, I suspect at some point in the future, websites will make its way onto our roster. But for now, we're, we're a paid advertising company. And so we work with companies that are, you know, 5 million looking to get to 10 and beyond. And we also work with companies who are in startup mode and who've never done any of this stuff before. So we have programs that can, you know, cater to, to both needs. And, you know, if you're looking to get started, what you don't want to do is make all kinds of costly mistakes. We have a program where there's like a one-time investment, no ongoing, you know, recurring fees. That makes it a lot easier on cash flows. It's a good way to get started with paid ads. And then as you scale, normally people transition onto another program where we have ongoing monthly management fees. There's a lot more time being invested in account largely because of testing, right? So that's just at a high level, some of what our services look like. But if anyone has 
questions or just wants to, to talk, book a demo with someone from our team and then we can, you know, pop the hood open, see what's there, provide you some, you know, some insights and feedback we're always happy to help. So go to webrunnermedia.com. There's a demo button there somewhere in yellow and uh, that's how they get in touch with us. I was getting ready to ask you. So webrunnermedia.com, we'll put the links in the show notes too, to, to anybody who's got questions. One thing I, that I really like about your company, Mark, and what you guys do is, I mean, you truly want to produce results for your clients, right? Like there's thousands of, of horror stories of marketing agencies that take people's money, give no results. I mean, you guys truly care about driving real results. And, you know, because of that, you're not the cheapest guys out there, nor do you want to be or should you be, but you get the results. And it goes back to kind of like that keyword, like, what's the return on the investment? And you guys are like very, very mindful about that. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. Yeah. We're, we, we don't care about budgets because, you know, a lot of agencies take a percentage of what people spend. We don't, we go with, you know, fixed fee model. So it's, it's very, very transparent and we try to hold ourselves accountable to revenue, right? So if somebody's putting money into something, well, there has to be a certain ROI on there. And we usually try to tie into CRM so that we can bridge the gap between what's being spent and what's happening on the revenue side. And that's where a lot of people fall short on the, the data and the analytics side, right? So when you can spend money, you know, that is driving leads that are driving sales, it becomes easier to know where to put those marketing dollars and where to stop putting those marketing dollars. So that's a big part of it too. Awesome. One last question I always like to ask my guests, and that is, what are you currently reading or what is a book that you recommend? Oh, good question. I just picked up some books last week. I have them there. I'm reading the Bezos Blueprint. That's one just started. And another one called the top like 10, but I, I said, I'm reading, I haven't started them. But those are next on my, on my docket books I've read recently. I like the John Warlow. He's a guy who I wrote the book called uh, the automatic customer and mm-hmm. built to sell. So just learning a little bit more about, um, you know, merchants, acquisitions, you know, exits. I think when you, you talk about growing a business, you know, having an understanding of what options are available to you in terms of like exits, even though you may not have the intention of exiting anytime soon, understanding how that game is played, I think is super impactful for, for business owners. So absolutely, uh, and that ties back to your branding when you originally, you know, when you name your business, think of the exit on that too. So Mark, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all kinds of knowledge. You dropped some gold nuggets in there. I hope if you guys are listening and you're looking in the market for some increasing your lead flow and having, you know, offloading all of that responsibility of trying to figure out what, what you're, you know, what you should be paying for and what you're optimizing your clicks and all that stuff. It's just, it, it can get crazy. I would recommend you reach out to Mark and their team over at WebRunner Media, have them do an audit for you and see what they can do to help you in your business. And again, Mark, I appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you, Brad. I had a great time. This was a lot of fun and I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And one last thing, guys, if you, we talked a little bit earlier about the leads and sales and stuff. I do have a tracker that's free. If you guys want a, a lead sales tracker that helps you figure out what your sales closing rate is, what your average cost per job is, how many leads you need to get. I got that available. Just hit me up. I'll send it to you. And that's a lot of people have liked that because it helps to really get a good picture of what kind of lead flow they need. And with that, guys, you know how to find me, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, search for Hammer and Grind Podcasts. And until next time, you know what's important. Remember, profit is not a dirty word.